All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What is happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. It's been my podcast since 2009. Just lately, folks. How old are you? Seriously, how old are you? I mean, are you feeling it? I, I just keep plugging along, but lately... I'm just noticing more like today. Today, I got Nick Youssef on the show. Nick Youssef is a comedian. Uh, he's a writer. I used to, I met him. He was working out in the, the parking lot at the comedy store. Like he was a kid, flashy dresser, interesting dresser, but like a kid in a way. Right. And now I, I, I assume he's all grown up. Right. I mean, my point is, he's on because he's got a new special on YouTube. It's called Nick Youssef, Take Care. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm starting to notice the ages of people who I've known for years, who I think at some other point in time, I knew they were like a little younger than me. But now all of a sudden, they seem a lot younger than me. And I don't know how the fuck that happened. I mean, I always knew I was of a generation and that we were not like, we're not Seinfeld's generation. We're sort of the one after that. And then there's probably two after me already. But there was a point in time, maybe 10, 15 years ago, well, everyone was sort of on the same page. I was a little older, but now all of a sudden I'm a lot older than a lot of people in my racket who I just assumed were, we were all on the same, same kind of page-ish. But now I'm sort of, I'm, I'm kind of crossing over into undeniable old veteran territory, comedy veteran. And I start to think about my impact. I start to think about what I got left in me. I start to think about how, how did they stop aging and I just kept going? Now, again, I'm not complaining. I'm more than happy to be alive I'm happy to be working still. I just don't always know why. I don't, on either count, to be honest with you. I'm not being morbid or morose. I'm just, I'm kind of trying to find a groove that will lead me to the next place. Uh, and I don't, want, I, I don't want to be in a rut. I'd rather a groove. A groove is deeper than a rut. A deep rut is never going to be <laughs> as fun as a deep groove. You dig, man, ruts and grooves, similar, but lead different places. Oh, yeah. You know, I wanted to tell you that another friend of mine who had been on the show, because, you know, I, I've got Nick Youssef on today. He's got a, a YouTube special. But my old friend Mike Kaplan has a new comedy album out today. It's called Mike Kaplan Live in Between Albums. And you can get it wherever you get your music or comedy. And that's Mike spelled M-Y-Q. Mike, M-Y-Q. And Mike's one of these guys who I had on years ago. I used to like seeing him. Very smart guy, a bright guy, interesting comedian. He's like very uh, into language, almost mathematically so. Uh, but he's always, uh, you know, he keeps in touch, you know, just here and there. Like he reads my updates and he, res you know, responds and he checks in on me. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, and, and it's pretty regular and it's been going on for years. So go, and he's also very funny. So check out that record. All right. Will you, will you do it? I've got to let myself enjoy stuff. That's what, that's really what I want to get at. 
I've got to let myself enjoy stuff. I think I'm, I think I'm closing myself off to a lot of things just out of, it's not even principle. It's sort of habit. It's kind of a uh, snooty habit. Like I, I, I might've mentioned when I visited my father the last time we were watching regular television and we watched the beginning of Jack Reacher and I never, I don't even remember that coming out, but it's a, is what do you call that? An action movie? It's a Tom Cruise vehicle. He plays this guy, Jack Reacher, this drifting, uh, uh, ex military detective. I get, there's probably more. Is there, is there Jack Reacher one and two, but I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta watch the end of that at some point. And the other day I sat down and I watched it and it was, you know, I, I get it. You know, it was satisfying to some degree. I wanted to see how it ended. I wanted to see how they figured it out, but you know what? How many of those things just literally fall apart in the third act where it's all of a sudden we got to, we got to wrap this thing up no matter how ridiculous it gets. We got to wrap it up. And that's not the time to do that. You want that fucking third act to land somehow. Or at least be ambiguous. I mean, if you don't know how to end it, don't tie everything up. Make it kind of fucked up. And Jack Reacher, it was actually a little fucked up, that ending. So I watched that and I thought like, well, man, maybe you should be able, maybe you can uh, lighten up on yourself. It's not like you're utilizing all of your time. Think of all the time you're, you're not using by fermenting. You know, you don't have to engage with that. That's a three-week process. And that, that on some level, it's not regular cooking. And this is the equation doesn't make sense. But look, I'm thinking like maybe I can watch Marvel movies. Maybe I can watch more uh, more uh, uh, action movies, maybe a Batman or two. You know, what am I doing with my time? I ended up watching a Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin movie because I've been listening to um, Karina Longworth's podcast. You must remember this because I was I, I, don't, I never listen to talking podcasts. I don't listen to any podcasts. Uh, but I'm listening to this, been listening to the one, the series about Dean Martin and Sammy Davis. And she spoke so highly of this movie. Some come, some came running. Is that what it's called? That I had to watch it. And it was a peculiar movie and you got to love those guys. I, and then I watched the Nan Golden documentary, which was radically exciting. But to that point, art, you know, Nan Golden has been somewhat of a uh, fixture in my brain for a long time, just from going to museums and giving a shit about art. And, you know, her documentary style photographs uh, in New York and, you know, in the, and I think it was probably the seventies and eighties, the sort of um, queer community and drag community and community of artists in New York at the time. And just this sort of very raw, very visceral, um, very, uh, kind of uh, gritty photographs of herself as a victim of domestic abuse and of people uh, wasted and, and you know, a lot of Cookie Mueller pictures. But, but you know, those pictures are of a time. And, you know, I can't help but have my brain come around to, you know, what fascism means and what fascism seeks to eradicate. You know, the documentary about Nan, you know, really becomes about her struggle with, uh, you know, overcoming an Oxycontin addiction and then her uh, active sort of radical protest with the group against the Sackler family to uh, remove their name and money from the art world, to sort of call them out for the killers that they are and, uh, and, and you know, stop the philanthropy to museums and, 
and support support of the arts because disingenuous it's being used as kind of a moral laundering uh, uh outlet more importantly when you think about what's happening in fascist america and in you know anti-woke america and what they seek to eradicate is exactly what 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 nan was documenting um pre-AIDS and after AIDS and, you know, just the, the sort of drag community and the community of free spirits and creative free spirits and people who want to live the life they want to live in what is supposedly a free country. And these are creative lives and lives that seek to be seen. And that's exactly what modern American fascism and anti-woke politics is, is seeking to destroy and eradicate from our culture in the name of saving children, whatever the fuck that means. And I just think it's a, there's a, an analog to it or an analogy, I guess is the word, you know, to uh, pre-World War II Germany. It's just all sort of happening. And then listening to uh, Karina Longworth talk about the shift out of what was once cool in terms of kind of, you know, drunky, uh, kind of sexist, philandering, proud, sleazy, middle-aged men, kind of a uh, kind of swinging around uh, in suits, uh, making jokes and singing. That shift to a more woke population with civil rights and feminism in the '70s is not unlike what's happening now. You have a lot of older white people that want to hold on to a way of life that they ha- had gotten comfortable with, even if it was only mentally. And are enabling, you know, a tremendous amount of just straight up religious repression and outright fascism. But what we stand to lose is sort of the amazing, unique voices of all different types of people, whether it's uh, gender based or ethnicity based or just the marginalized voices are the life force of culture. And uh, without that, it just becomes homogenized and terrifying to more than half the population because of brute force. And also, like I said before, don't look to corporate entities for any support or help. Netflix will go full Hitler if necessary, not unlike any other corporation. Where the money goes so goes the corporate interest. But anyways, my crowd will be done Monday. And uh, I want to thank thousands of you, if I can right now, uh, who have already answered our new survey. If you haven't taken the survey yet, just go to the episode description of this show on whatever app you're using right now. We have a link there that says, take the audience survey. It's a quick survey that will help us make decisions to better serve you, the listeners. This is really the best way for us to know what works and what doesn't for our audience. So it would be a real big help to us if you do it. It'll take you about five to seven minutes. You can do it while you're listening. Just scroll to the episode description and click, take the audience survey. And while you're in the episode description, If you want to send a question for our next Ask Mark Anything episode, there's a link for that too. Okay, so this is me talking to young Nick Youssef. His new comedy special, Nick Youssef Take Care, is available on uh, on YouTube now. Now you can go watch it. (laughs) 
Are you living in, in your car? I mean, it seems like a big backpack. Dude, <laughs> no, I just have like my computer and like a, I keep, I have a film camera and stuff in there and I just like always have my bag, especially now that I live in New York, I just yeah. always have it on me and I forget, yeah. I forget it's there. Have and you, it's not even full. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And you just bring all of it with you? Yeah, it just feels good to have like my, because I'll pop into a coffee shop and sit right. and work and it just feels nice to have the four or five things I always want on me on me. What kind of work are you doing in, in the coffee shops? Just writing bits? Writing bits and then I'll do, I'll write like uh, uh, magazine articles and stuff like freelance. Really? Yeah. That's is something that happens? You, that, uh, yeah. you live in a world where magazines still exist? Magazines exist, uh, <laughs> not very physical anymore, more, right. more the online. They should stop yeah. calling them magazines probably. Right. But um, yeah, I've done like a bunch of uh, like freelance stuff. For who? For Esquire. Really? Yeah. So you're like a, a columnist now in a way? Yeah, I mean, it's like freelance. So it's like columnist sounds way more official, way more like permanent. <laughs> but they know you and you sell articles? Yeah, I have. I've sold like... A, it, in 2014 or 15, they yeah. they profiled me. So they were like, you're the most fashionable comedian we know. We want to do a, a thing on you. Oh, back then when you were, it was cleaner lines going on back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made more sense to give me that title. Uh, right? yeah. <laughs> um, so they were, they wanted to pair that with like my first album that I put out. The writer was just like a fan of me and stuff. In 2015? Yeah. That was the first record? For, yeah, like audio only, vinyl, like yeah. that kind of Yeah. What was thing. that one called? Stop Not Owning This. Mm. Yeah. How'd that do? It did good. I yeah. got like, back when iTunes <laughs> charts mattered, yeah. it was like number two for like a week. Yeah? Yeah. Did you I make got, money? I made money. Weirdly, wow. it was like the last album you could put out that still sold. Like wow. people bought the thing for yeah, nine ninety yeah. nine. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, it was. I mean, it did. It did good. I was happy with it. What are you writing articles on? I did. I've done a couple on like fashion and style, which made sense after the profile. Sure. I asked the yeah. editor. I was like, yeah. "Can I write for you guys?" And yeah. He was like, "I don't see why not." You're, you know, <laughs> right. He's like, "You write funny jokes, so right. let's try it out." Yeah. And so I did that. And that then, was at Esquire. Esquire. Yeah. Who was it with that new editor guy at the time? Um, or you don't know? You were just working it, with his a... name is Andrew. He hasn't been there for a number of years. He, he moved on, but he was like the style. Oh, editor. style guy. Yeah, okay. Style yeah, guy. yeah. 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 And now what are you writing on over there? The last thing I did was uh, I profiled Maynard James Keenan. From Tool. From Tool. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and wine. Yeah, extensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had an extensive conversation about parrots. Not interesting. Oh, yeah. We used to work with animals. Yeah, yeah we used like, to work at a pet store. Pet store, yeah. 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 And that was, because yeah. I wasn't a huge Tool guy, but I got the opportunity to interview him. So we ended up talking about par uh, pet stores and parrots. Yeah. And how like he pre he's pretty sure that he invented, um, you know, a certain way of uh, moving products up front at the pet store yeah. so people would buy them. I didn't want to burst his bubble. I, I think it was probably a, a thing that... <laughs> a 50s ad advertising. Well, I mean, it's just like, sort of like, yeah, if you want, you showcase stuff you want to sell more of. But but he seemed like an interesting guy. I think I sat next he to is. the guitar player at AEW. You did. I saw that photo. Oh, you did? Yeah. Was that him? Adam, I, I Adam said, Jones. I said nothing. Yeah. Really? He's the nicest dude. No, I mean, we had a nice thing, but he okay. knew who, he, who I was. But I didn't really, like, I someone uh, like DM me like, that's that's the guy from Tool next to you, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, I, I mean, I can't really be like I liked Oculus or whatever. I don't know what's the album's name. <laughs> There's Lateralis is one of them. Lateralis, <laughs> yeah. This might be the one you were close on. Have you become a big Tool fan since? No. Oh, okay. what? I, you I mean, gotta, that's fine. 
That shit's got to be planted young, dude. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You know, like if yeah. it wasn't planted in my in a weird, angry adolescent head. Yeah, where that's where it got planted for me. Right. Yeah. But, but of course, right? I mean, that's where it happens. But, you know, I yes. missed all that. So, you know, there I was like in my 40s kind of listening to Tool. Yes. Uh, but they were, they were comedy fans. They were Hicks fans. And yeah. Because there's a painting of Hicks. On one of their records, I think. On Anima, yeah. 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 And they have a clip of his stand up in it. That's how oh, that's I. That's right. That's how weirdly I found out about Bill Hicks. It wasn't from comedy. For, well, that was probably their intention. I think so. But knowing being a big comedy nerd as a teenager, I, th- I thought I would have discovered that fur, but it was like oddly the other way around. And well, how old are you now? I just turned 40. Wow. Yeah. So I'm trying to, what's the timeline? You've been away for three years? Yeah, I moved to New York full-time at the beginning of 2019. Right. You just were sort of like, fuck it? I mean, no, it was kind of the opposite. It was more like, I I want to not say fuck it to yeah. everything oh. entertainment-wise, my life-wise, my mental health-wise. Did I, you feel like you hit a wall? Yeah, I felt like I grew up here. Where? In La Crescenta, right over the hill. Right here? Yeah. So you, you, you grew up driving on the two? Yeah, one thirty foot the two ten to the two to the one thirty four to the wherever yeah, yeah. I needed to go to do an La open Crescenta, mic. What the fuck yeah. is up there? Conservatives. Oh yeah, and La Cunada is a little less conservative and a lot richer. Oh really? Yeah, La Crescenta is middle class. La Cunada is very well. Just on either side of the two t- or of the of the two ten, right? Yeah, and then Tahanga's on the kind of lower end, lower ish class. Yeah. it's a little nicer now, but we were like right in the middle and. What, well, what kind of what kind of upbringing what kind of family i'm lebanese full on yeah i was born i just became a citizen get the fuck out of here i swear to god six months ago so you were born in lebanon yeah i moved here when i was a kid i was like four or five so your parents are like first they're they're total lebanese immigrants don't speak english well our house smells like garlic really yeah it's the, the the whole the whole deal is there a lebanese community in la crescenta we're it the Youssef family's it. How there big were, is that? There's four of us. Oh, that's it? Well, there were six. My yeah. grandma and my aunt lived nearby yeah. for, for a while. And then now it's... Well, so what What did your parents run away from? Uh, war. Civil war. That's what was going on when they left. Yeah. So that's why there's a lot of Lebanese people in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah, I was just in Dearborn not too long ago. Last year, I went and I went and got some serious food there. Yeah, apparently it's. I haven't been there, but apparently it's. It's well, amazing. yeah. Well, it's a very. Uh, it's the largest, I think, Muslim population outside of Muslim world. Is yeah. that true of Lebanese Muslims? No, or? just Muslims in general. It's not all oh. Lebanese there. Am I wrong? I'm not sure because are your parents Muslim? They're we're Christian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they are. I'm not anything any, anymore. Like uh, no, they, but you're brought up Christian. Brought up, yeah, Christian. So you come here when you're how old? I was four. Holy shit. And yeah. you have how many siblings? I have one younger brother who's two years younger. He was born here. He was, yeah, weirdly, he was born in Washington State because my parents were visiting my uncle who lived up there. Yeah. And my mom was like ready to have a baby pretty much and then had him there. So really? he just lucked out and was a citizen huh. instantly. Wow. And the reason I didn't become one is because my dad didn't get his until right after I turned 18. My mom got it before. So if you're, both your parents do it before you're an adult, you get it automatically. Right, but they didn't. They didn't. And then I didn't for, I mean. Was um, there a holdup? Kind of. I was scared to do it for a few years after 9-11 because I just 
thought I was like 17 or 18 when that happened. And I was like, you thought you'd get sent back or something. I thought I would, I don't, I didn't know what I thought. Cause it was so much like anti Arab right. hatred and this yeah. and that. And I was getting called names on stage and at open mics and stuff. I was just right when I started stand up. And really? When you yeah, were 17? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was 18. Uh, yeah. And you were getting kind of like assaulted. I didn't get a, I mean, verbally. Yeah. yeah. I told, I told the story to a, a writer at the 20th anniversary who's doing co comedians during nine, nine 11. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I told him, uh, the story about it. Some guy called me a sand N word. Yeah. On while I was on stage. Where? At the ha ha. In, Over the, in the, the valley. Yeah. In Burbank. And, yeah. And it scared, scared me. Cause it was like, that was the, the feeling. You, you were a kid. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what, to do and I just like I it made me just sort of like freeze up on stage and and the lesson it taught me was like I'm never allowing that to happen again on stage ever without re responding I'm go I will destroy a show if I have to cuz no one's going to get the best of me ever again Really? Yeah. It broke you, huh? It broke me it made and, you hard. And, and reformed me as a you know a yeah, new so more just callous yeah. your origin story, your superhero moment. Yeah, I mean it kind of was. It didn't make me good all of a sudden, but it made me a lot more <laughs> fearless because the reason i got into it was to I, I was like i need to find a place to be a person to be i need to like identify myself as an adult and i always wanted to do stand-up and i was like i'm gonna get into that because i love it i think i could be good at it yeah and it's gonna make me a, a person and almost right away some guy in the crowd's like you're not a person you're yeah. not one of us get out and yeah. i was like so it just oh wow and that was my whole upbringing but you, but you were that you were that aware of it? Because, I mean, I think I got into stand-up for, for similar reasons. Yeah. It certainly wasn't to entertain people. Uh, but I think for some reason I decided that's where I need to pull myself together is up there. What age did you start? Uh, I, I guess I was like, let's see, I was probably 22 or 23. I okay. mean, I, I came out here, I was 22 maybe. Okay. But uh, uh but I always wanted to do it, and I went to college and shit. Yeah. But it, that didn't quite. Yeah, I was still scrambling for some sort of sense of self, and I and I always wanted to do stand up, and I don't know, I don't know why I chose that because I thought there was like you're a truth teller. I thought I had a romantic idea, but I wasn't. Yeah. I never thought of myself as a song and dance man. I mean, I didn't, I didn't either, really. I just thought like I the first kind of positive attention I ever got was when I would be funny or silly or weird. When, you know? when did that start? Probably like third or fourth grade, I remember just making like a girl laugh and yeah. kind of oh, yeah. giggle. And yeah. then I went like, I went so like head over heels in love that yeah. I went and got her flowers. Yeah. Did she laugh at, at that too? She did not laugh at that. <laughs> and my mom helped me pick the flowers. Uh, I, I told her, I was like, mom, there's this girl I really like. She's like, oh my God. I'm like, I think I want to get her flower. I don't know where I got this idea of like a romantic yeah. gesture. And she was like, that's so sweet. And yeah. She's like, well, you know, we have a few flowers in our yard and we yeah. got, got a little thing together. And I went and gave them to her uh -huh. and she just like, I think I, I, I called her out of class, like told her to like come out of class right. or something. And then like she came out and then I gave him to her and yeah. she was like, oh, thank you. And she said, that was really nice. And then I thought it went well. I felt good about yeah. it. And then Why wouldn't you? the end of the day, I got called into the principal's office uh -huh. and and I was told that it made her un uncomfortable. And she was like, she didn't know what to do. And, she, and uh. they were like, you know, you can't give a girl flowers. I'm like, why? I thought that was like nice. And they were yeah. like, listen, you know, your intentions were good. And that was very sweet of you. But, you know, it just, you know, she didn't. She didn't like it, and you shouldn't do that again. How old are you? Like, this what grade? I was like ten, 
And she was 10? Yeah. And this was already happening in school? I mean, like, I mean, it doesn't seem kids like... Kids would tell girls they like them and, you know, like... But you, it didn't seem like they it would be... You'd go to the principal's office. I mean, maybe she told her mom and her mom told the principal. She's like, hey, my daughter felt weird about getting flowers from another boy, you know, and and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll talk to Yeah, her we'll about, shut that kid down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't get, like, trouble. We're going to kill the romantic inside of that kid. Yeah, pretty much. It made me feel so weird. I was like, I thought that's how... And my mom felt so bad for me. She was like... That is how you do it, honey. But some, you know, some people just don't. It, it really weirded me out. But yeah, and it yeah. never went away. Yeah, I, did, a, I didn't lose my virginity. Till I was nineteen. Yeah, is <laughs> that true? What, yeah, that was the arc of your your uh, your your uh, heartbrokenness over the flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to move through that. Yeah, yeah. But so you're just out there being a Lebanese person in uh, La Crescenta, moving yeah. through the world. I mean, I was I was trying to I was trying to find my footing as a kid. And yeah, it's like it was how, hard. How like you got a brother? I have a younger just, younger yeah. brother. Yeah, how's yeah. that guy doing? He's good. He like he's working. He took over my dad's business. What was that? Uh, installing marble in houses and buildings. Marble good old, business. Good old fashioned blue collar work. So he's got slabs of marble. He's got a store with slabs of marble. There's a store. He just like will we'll get the materials and cut them. He's a contractor. Uh, yeah, pretty in much. In a way. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a good business. How's the marble racket? Is he still around? Yeah. Still doing marble? He Only part-time. He can't give it up. He's, you know, he's been so working since he was 12. So your brother's doing the marble business? Yeah. I was supposed to do it, and then I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to. Cut marble? Yeah, and install. I did it in the summers, like our uh, our dad was very much like, you need to learn what work is. And so you're coming to work with me on either weekends or in the summer, and you're going to lift bags and put install marble in the ground and yeah. make grout and you did all that? that. And I did, yeah. So that you can always fall back on that. I don't know if I, that I remember how to how you to do can't it. Can't do the grout work? Yeah. I mean, to probably pick it up pretty do, fast. Do you do just, tiles too? Yeah. Oh, tiles yeah. too. Yeah, ceramic tile, bathrooms, and like countertops. and Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally started work when he was a 12-year-old kid. In marble. In marble. In, in Lebanon. Was, in, in Lebanon. His dad got sick when he was 11 or yeah. whatever, and then mothers didn't work back then. He was the oldest of like four. There you go. Whatever dreams you had are over. Yeah. You're the marble kid. I don't even know if people had dreams back then in Lebanon. I think it was just like, you know. I have no, I have no sense of Lebanon. Lebanon is just north of Israel, just west of well, Syria. I know that, yeah. yeah okay. But I mean, do you go there? I went there once in the summer of eighth, seventh grade. Yeah. And I hated every minute of it. I thought it was the worst thing my parents could do to me because I was like, I, I just got Did you have, fa have family there? Yeah, my grandma, my grandpa, oh, so, yeah. and my mom's youngest sister. Yeah. Was still, but the, I, look, I just got out of seventh grade. I made a couple new friends. It was like middle school. I'd, I'd left that elementary school thing behind, and I was like, "This I'm going to traction. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to yeah. make friends. I'm going to." I got my first like alternative like band T-shirt or something. I was like, "I'm going to be cool." <laughs> and then my parents were like, "You were going to Lebanon for two months," and it just upended everything I thought I was going to establish as in a kid in your life. Yeah. So in my between, young, my young closed off world between you know, that and the flowers, things were not things were not out. going things were not going good for young Nick Yusuf. <laughs> What'd you do in Lebanon, though? It must have been fucking mind-blowing. Well, at the time, it wasn't. But later on, it shaped my view of the world in a way it wouldn't In have... retrospect? Yeah. Like, probably around when I was like 18, 19, 20, when 9-11 when happened and, and, and all that. I was like, 
it just it made me see the entire world in a way that how I so like you, you, you because like you you couldn't really process Lebanon because you were so full of like uh, just barely pubescent rage. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wanted to just hang out with my two new friends and play video games. Like I, in Lebanon. Know, no, no, in in La Crescenta. Yeah, that was what I wanted to do. And then we were taken to Lebanon, and we stayed in my par- my grandparents' apartment in right. downtown Beirut. And I just sort of like hung out in the apartment. I was too young to go anywhere. It was too dangerous to just walk around on your own. And I sort of would walk up and down the street right there, go down and get groceries at the little market for my parents. Because of of, uh, strife within the country, you couldn't really experience whatever might have been great about Lebanon. Only with my mom and dad, if we were going to a specific yeah. place. So we would go, like the coastline there at the end of the Mediterranean, still very pretty. Yeah. And it was like, it used to be the, like a lot a lot of like uh, French would vacation there in the right. 70s. Oh, right. And oh, really? Yeah. It was colonized by the French okay, for, yeah, for a yeah. long time. So that, that kind of kept up appearances because it was like their economy was like hinged on that only. So that looked nice. The rest of it was a, I mean, a wasteland. Really? And we would drive through parts of town that, like, these are vivid memories I will always have. Like, yeah. we were in a rental car, and it was my my dad, my mom, me, and my brother in the back yeah. seat. And yeah. we we were driving down what looked like a regular road and then turned a few times, and then it just turned into, like, the war ended yesterday. It was buildings that look like Swiss cheese. Really? I mean, bomb, like, you know, yeah, you like holes that. and bullet holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what happened? And my mom turned around and she was just like, don't roll down your windows and just look straight ahead. And we got to a stoplight and families started coming up with just chiclets for sale right. and just a, b- a bottle of water, like anything that they could just try and like sell to yeah. make money. And I'd never seen this before yeah. on the news or anywhere. I'm yeah. 12. Yeah. And I'm like, mom, what are they, what are they doing? She's yeah. like, just don't r- roll down the window. And my dad had his window cracked this much because he smoked cigarettes. Yeah. This child's hand just got through and had gum and was dropping it in there and saying, you know, money, money, masade, masade, you know? And I was like, what? And my dad like was trying to push the hand out the window and he was going, no, no, no. And he like took the gum and like pushed it back out. And he was like, no, and rolled the window up. And I think went through the red light. It was all just, it happened so fast. And, and I was like, what, what, what mom, why, why, what? And she looked at me and she was like, in some places, the the war isn't really over. You huh. know, there there are places that are just f- have been forgotten. Wow. And and it just, I think this car was silent for the next twenty minutes until we got back to my grandma's house, and I was just like, people live that way. It's could have it, been you. It honestly could have been me. Yeah. And and I, it still didn't register until years later. Like we went down to the southern. Uh, border where that it was still occupied by Israel at the time, like that's yeah. a, maybe ten miles in or something. And th- her, my mom's family. Had, that's where I was. Where we stopped. We drove up there to that border. Yeah, yeah. How's it now? Well, no, it was years ago. I okay. mean, I, I'm trying to think. I was with my first wife. It must have been like in the mid '90s. Oh yeah, so yeah, right around the yeah. time I was there. So, yeah. so we would drive through these checkpoints, and I, I mean. Marines or whatever, full fatigues, automatic weapons, yeah. and a tank. And my mom would look back as we would come up to the checkpoint, and she would say, "Pretend you're asleep. Don't say anything when they knock on the window, even if it's your window." And I'm like, "Why?" She's like, "If you even speak any Arabic or try, yeah. they'll, they'll hear your accent. No, you're you don't live here. We don't need any questions. 
we just want to get through. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, so we close our eyes. And you had an accent at that time? They No, if I tried to speak Arabic, they oh, would hear, oh, I see. that's yeah, a kid not... that speaks primarily English. Yeah. So where are you from? You're yeah, visiting yeah. from America. Get out of the car. We're right. going to question. Who knows? You'll be detained. So a few of those went by and, yeah. and it was fine. We got through and yeah. we get we get down to the village and that was that was one of the moments where I was like, this could have been my life. Yeah. There are like you know, like brick and stone houses, not not really a lot of windows. Yeah. And it's the climate's nice down there. So it wasn't, you know, miserable one way or another. Right. But you're just like, there's no air conditioning. There's no like TVs as cows are walking yeah. through the dirt roads. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, I noticed the air conditioning thing. It was yeah. like, you can sleep. It was yeah. too hot to sleep. So on, the, on one of the nights we were, we were trying to sleep, we were sleeping all in one room and uh, we we're on like a mattress on the floor. And I just hear these like droning sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. way off in the distance. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, I can't sleep. What is that? And she's like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, machines. I don't know what she said. And I was just like, Are you sure there's a lot? She's like, Don't worry about it. Yeah. So I go to sleep. The next day, we're back in the car, we're driving up to, to Beirut again. Yeah. And when we got there, we were talking about, you know, being down in the village. I'm like, oh, I get to pet a cow. And I like held a frog in my yeah, hand. Yeah. Just stuff you don't experience in the <laughs> suburbs of LA. Right. And I go, so mom, what were those noises? Like what kind of machines? Well, I thought they were tanks, which yeah. would, whenever they want, drive yeah. through the village. Yeah. And just, they'd stop and a guy would come out and just But whose around. tanks were they? Were they? They're Israeli tanks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what were those noises? And she was like, and again, she was like, in some parts, the war is still not over. And I'm like, you keep saying this yeah. stuff. Like, are we, is it safe here? And she's like, if you're with us, it's safe. We know where to go. We know where to not go. And I right. was just sweating. Yeah. I'm like, we were down the street from an active war zone. There were just bombs going off right over the border and just like little yeah. skirmishes with whoever. Yeah. I mean. People that live there live with that. That They don't even notice it. Yes. They don't hear or feel like with the smog around here for us, we're like, oh, it feels fine. Or like, I can't see the sky 10 yeah, miles away. Yeah. That's the same thing with them. And my grandma's apartment building has still has bullet holes on the ground. Oh, I was like my putting God. my finger in one. And so this, but nonetheless, you were still just wishing you were playing video games in La Crescenta. Yeah. After those moments, sort of like I, I kind of processed them and I'm sure my mind was like, stop thinking about it. It's too scary. Then yeah, I just kind of like, scary, right? It was. So you come back here with all these memories, but, but do you, do, do you walk into school? Do you, are you able to, you know, get traction in seventh grade and change your? I think I, lo I pretty much, it all went away. I came back with like a week left and I think like the one or two friends I had gone. We're, we were still like, where were you this whole, there were no cell phones back then. Sure. So like, where were you this yeah. summer? Like, my parents made me go to Lebanon. And they're like, where's that? What is that? Right. Like, yeah, it's yeah. where I'm from, yeah. you know? And w I sort of just like was kind of a loner again for yeah. for most of that school year. And I'm but, telling you, like, I didn't, I, I was not comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. I got tall early. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to carry myself. When did the drugs and drinking start? The, oh, that that started, I think, first time I got drunk was in the eighth grade. Oh, so after that. Yeah. Because I, I was just like, well, none of this is working. I'm depressed all the time. Really? Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's been there forever. And, but, but what was it, wait, do you find that, so you just felt awkward? I mean, I f it was more than awkward yeah. because you're not, there was nothing I could change that would fix it. It wasn't like I could... 
I, we didn't really have the money to be, I'd just be like, I'm going to get all these new clothes. Should we get a few new things for each school you year? You figured that out. You always had the nice new clothes eventually. Why do you think that is? I don't know. You're trying to yeah. do something? I needed to build an armor. <laughs> an armor or yeah. an, inter- an entire persona? All of it. That's the ar- Personas are armor. Yeah. You know, they're not, huh. they're, they're a version of you. Like it's you. It's something you put out there. But, to, you, but is this something you're looking at in retrospect or you were conscious at the time? I mean, it just seemed like, you know, you had to get a thing going. Yeah, I did. Well, I, I needed to find out where to belong, right? So I, I thought, I'm like, oh, I could hang out with like the skater kids maybe, but I was How'd like- that go? Not well. I yeah. couldn't I couldn't ollie on a skateboard, so I'm like, well, that's out. Oh my God, I had that experience too, <laughs> man, but I was too old for it to happen. Like I, yeah. you know, like I bought a fancy skateboard when I was living in New York, yeah. 89. So that's oh, wow. 63, 73, 83. So I'm 26 and I just shaved my head and lost complete sense of who I was. Yeah, yeah. I thought like, I'll just shave my head and then I was like, what did I do? Yeah. And, uh, and then I bought a skateboard and I went and just sat over in Tompkins Square Park with the other skaters and they're just looking at me like, when are you going to do something? And I'm like, I got nothing, man. I just got the board and thought it would work. You tuck the board under your arm, just walk away with your head Stupid. held in shame. Yeah. You can't even, you got to start that when you're seven. Oh yeah. When there's no fear of injury. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I already was like, I don't want to break something. This yeah. feels wobbly and awkward. So, so I got you, into BMX bikes. You did know? you? Yeah. Cause they were, I wasn't going to fall. So the skater thing didn't work out. You went to BMX. There's no BMX culture really like with groups and oh, stuff isn't? then. Yeah. Cause there wasn't really clothing and music attached to it. So it didn't really what form. What were you wearing? Were you this punk rock or where were you at in well, se- eighth grade? I discovered. You drinking. I so discovered you, heavy metal. Oh, so you're a metal guy first. Yeah. That really. That's where Tool came in. Uh, a couple years after that. Metallica was first. And when this is eighth grade? Yeah. Metallica, in, you're dressing in the black clothes? I started getting the black clothing. Makeup, no makeup? No makeup, but I did, my parents would have kicked me out of the house. They would have been like, that's not yeah. how. Do you speak Lebanese? I speak some Arabic, yeah. Arabic, yeah. Is that I, what it is? Arabic, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Lebanese Arabic. Lebanese yeah. Arabic, that's what um, I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, no, <laughs> I knew that. It's yeah, testing yeah, yeah, you yeah, to yeah. see if you knew. All of a sudden, I'm Brendan Schaub. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got a... a I grew my, I did back then in the, in the mid nineties, the step cut was popular. So you shave your head up to here, grow your hair out long. Oh, you did that? I did that. Cause that was the one thing I could do that my parents wouldn't say, that's not how a boy should look. Right. So that's out. Yeah. But then, you know, slowly it starts getting longer and longer. And my dad's at work 70 hours a week. So he doesn't yeah. really notice. He's like, right. what's, what's the boy doing? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And my mom was always the mediator that was like, just let him, let him try it. The kids are doing yeah, yeah. it. She never appreciated the Marilyn Manson part of things, though. Oh, yeah? She was so like, that was that's the, the devil. Oh, really? Yeah. I came home one day in, in the ninth grade, and she had the Antichrist Superstar album that I had secretly purchased with saving lunch money. She went to my room and got it and took out the booklet and laid the whole thing out on the table. I came home from school, and she was standing there with her arms crossed, and she's like, where did this come from? <laughs> I'm like, mom, it's just music. Yeah. He speaks to people like me. Yeah. He's the, you know, uncool rebel guy that's yeah. saying it's okay to be different. You know, I had right. this whole spiel. And she was like, well, then why is that thing around his penis with two tubes heading into other people's mouths? I'm like, that I cannot explain. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. Probably to make people like you angry. Wasn't well, there and, pentagrams on that thing? Too? There were pentagrams. There was yeah. the whole nine. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought it all together, that guy. Yeah, and and musicians like that made me feel a little less alone. You well, yeah, know? could kind of rage out. Yeah, and they were they were intentionally very different. Yeah, and I took from that. I was like, I want a mohawk now. 
So I took that step cut and yeah. and cut all of it off, but it was all shaved underneath. So I yeah. pretty much had a mohawk right after that. And and this is like year, what, 14, 15? I think, yeah, 14, 15, 15 probably. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, whoa, I have a mohawk all of a sudden. Yeah. My dad was going to be happy that I was cutting my hair. Sure, yeah. And then I was like, whoa, I, I want to do this for a minute. And yeah. then I just started dyeing it every color. Really? I was like trading hair dyes with my friends at you school. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Scrambling for an identity. But here's what it did for me. Yeah. It made me feel like I was in control of what you were seeing. When yeah. you looked at me, if you were going to look at me and scowl or be like, why is that kid wearing Jenko raver pants right. and a Marilyn Manson shirt and a mohawk? Yeah. I don't like it. At least I chose it. Right. It's not, look at that Arabic guy. Yeah. I can't un-Lebanese myself, <laughs> but it, I, I can put on yeah. the mohawk and the clothing and yeah. I can I can choose. what. And then yeah. that became really important to me. Yeah. I tried my hardest to just look different yeah. and and just own it as my I was still very insecure on the inside, but you know, at least yeah, you couldn't I, see that. Well, people in the know could. Oh sure. O older people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at yeah. that poor kid. Yeah. Hope he lands on something. I remember one kid, I was at this little cafe yeah. somewhere on Foothill Boulevard, like forever ago. And I remember this kid that was probably 17, 18, 19 at the time. He was sitting like a couple tables over with a group of friends and I walked in and he kind of like looked me up and down yeah. and he was like, so you have raver pants and a Marilyn Manson shirt and you, and you have a mohawk, yeah. which is three different subcultures. And he was just like, dude, you don't know who you are. Oh, and yeah. it, that one just cut right through yeah. everything. Gotta send that guy a thank you note. Uh, well, <laughs> I think it just made me angrier. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And, and that's I, when the tool came? The, yeah, yeah. That was the, kind of building right there. To that's tool. when, when when I got into Tool, that's when I was just like, that you can make this type of music and it can be melodic and have- But like also like he's meaning. a weirdo. Like and who doesn't abide by, yeah. you know, uh, cultural uh, yeah. identifiers. He'll mix them up. Yes. And it's awesome. Yeah. And they all, they all are like that and they all came together and they were like, let's do something different. Let's do yeah. it our way. Let's take our time. Who cares about the fame? How drunk are you at this point? The, at eight, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, I had I would have like a few drinks, which would get me drunk back then. Maybe at, drinking with pals. I would go to like if I got invited to little house parties. Oh and yeah, stuff. just yeah. high school shit. Yeah, just high school shit. So the worst I ever had was when I was thirteen. I think I the it was the first time I got drunk. It was with a friend at the time named Pat. He was yeah. like, wait, I was like 6'3 already yeah. and he was like 5'2. Yeah. Which is a weird pairing. Yeah. And he had an older brother who would get him beer sometimes. So he got us each a 40 of Old English. Yeah. And Oof. yeah, the malt liquor is stronger. We didn't know. Puked it up. Yeah. Uh, not at first. Yeah. We walked, we drank maybe half of it and yeah. we were just like stumbling around the suburbs. Yeah. I remember like, I'm like, I need to piss. And I just like stopped just on a sidewalk in the middle of the street sure. and just- yeah. And he was like, I don't know if you should do that. I'm like, what? Oh, maybe not. Yeah. We're giggling and laughing. And fast forward a, f a few months, another friend named Danny was like, hey, I got a bottle of rum yeah. and uh, gin. Yeah. And let's, sure. let's drink it. That's some, like from the parents' cabinet. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know, no one mix those two. Yeah. yeah. So we go down to the park, which is like a couple uh, blocks from his place. Made me nauseous. There's yeah. No, yeah, there's no lights, no yeah. nothing. He's like, no one will find us. I'm like, great. So he yeah. had a girlfriend at the time. All three of us went down there. Yeah. And 
that she was taking like a couple shots and then he took one and yeah. then I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta be, get ahead of them. So I took like two or three. Of which liquor? I think it was the gin. That's the one I remember yeah. not being able to drink for Ever. a decade after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the smell of it. The next thing I remember, I I woke up. I was like on my on my back, and I was like I passed out. I looked over, and they were like making out a few feet over sure. for me, and I was just like, and then I just like fell asleep again. And then when I woke up again, yeah, I was covered in vomit. Yeah, that's always good. And I look over, yeah. friend and his girlfriend are gone. And you're just by yourself covered in, in a, vomit. In a dark park. That's how people die of drug overdoses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was that guy, I, you know, the drinking to the vomiting. Yeah. Yeah, one time I vomited in the stands of a school game. No way. Yeah, yeah while I was passed out. <gasps> and, and, like in, and I blacked out, and I just ended up... You know, at the McDonald's where everyone hung out, like and no one had come back from the game yet. Someone had driven me back, and I was just there. And I remember the a girl who I thought was so cute just walked up to me as people were coming in, and she's like, "Why do you have rice in your hair?" Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "What?" Aren't you glad there were no cell phones back then? Oh, dude. Oh. I, you know, it, it's, it, it's not an uncommon experience to get fucked up like that. That's true. So, where when do you start listening to comedy? How where does comedy fit in? Comedy fits in like. Around 14, 15, I started, I went to a friend's house and he was playing it on like a yeah. cable, old Annie evening at the improv reruns. Sure. And I was like, you can do that for a living. Really? I, you I, thought that right away? I, I honestly, right away. Because the only thing I knew about comedy before was like, you know, like Saturday Night Live or sitcoms or right. something. And I knew I was funny. Yeah. And I knew I, I liked that attention and yeah. I, I wanted to do something. Yeah, yeah. And... I was like, that's a job people have. And I didn't know any of this. It's happening right across the way. Pretty much, yeah. yeah I mean, so you didn't know about, you guys never came into Hollywood. You never drove in to party. And, no. My so, dad would get his hair cut from like a friend who I, he like, I remember, all I remember is like he spoke Arabic. So maybe he was another Lebanese yeah. guy he met through work. Yeah. He would drive into like, old Hollywood Boulevard where it was it was no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just a little barbershop there owned yeah. by this guy. And oh, that's hilarious. Before he, they cleaned it up. Yeah, he would take us in there with him and he was like, you're not allowed to go outside yeah. at all. Because it was just like crazy there. Oh, it was just drug addicts. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it was just, it was, it was bad. Yeah. That was, that was it. They didn't have any knowledge of, of entertainment. Interesting. Or they didn't know stand-up was a, yeah. could be a career. When I first told them, they were like, what do you mean? Yeah. Could be funny on a huh. stage. They're like, like Saturday Night Live. I'm like, not on TV. And they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. I'm like, you know, musicians play at yeah. clubs. I'm like, you can do that while telling jokes. And it just was just over their heads. Wait, like, when, how old were you? I was 16 or 17 when I told them I wanted to do it. And who, in, who inspired you? Did you have comics you liked? I liked Norm MacDonald. Sure. Loved him. Yeah. And David Tell. Yeah. It was just people I saw in Comedy Central. You. Yeah. Nick Swartzen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Those, it was honestly Hilarious. like four or five, six guys like that. Yeah. This, that's a good, uh, yeah. a good bunch. Yeah. A tell. Yeah. It, it really was. I was just like, these guys are all so funny. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't believe you could do that for a living. And I remember going to a friend's family's like house party me and the friend were hanging out in the backyard and we were just being goofy and stupid yeah. and my friend's mom's friend was like you kids are being really funny and she's like i teach a comedy class out of glendale community college on saturdays huh. and i was really? like yeah she's like you guys should take it and my friend he goes he wants to be a professional comedian and i was like uh yeah and she's like do you want to do my class i was like i, I don't have any money yeah but <laughs> So she 
honestly was like, you're a friend of the family, just show up once, just so the students know that you were there and I didn't sneak you onto the show, and then try and write six minutes of jokes. So it was a stand-up class? It was a stand-up class. Who was the teacher? Her name is Charlene, is all I remember. Really, not a comic? Not a comedian. Must have tried. She, yeah, she might have tried. She didn't give me any real, like, backstory, and I was honestly too young to ask or know. So I, you're all, 17, 16? 17. 17. So you go to this class in Glendale. In Glendale, yeah. From a lady named Charlene who you met at a family party? Yeah. And what was it? And, well, the the one class that I attended was she was telling people how to, like, stand up on in front of people. Yeah. And, like, how to hold the microphone. Yeah. And how to, like, you know, say the things you wrote down that you thought were funny. Like you know, look at people and like enunciate and that kind really? of, that's like all I remember from that class. Were there any big uh, p- future stars in the, in the, <laughs> I don't remember any, not one person. So you just went to one class. Yeah. And then she goes, we're doing a showcase at the Ice House Annex Room. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? She's like, you're going to perform comedy in front of people. And I was like, oh my God. And it's just like, I think I was just too young and naive to know better. I yeah. was so excited. Yeah. I offered to host the show. She was like, I need a host. No one wants to volunteer. I'm like, I will do it. And I remember, I don't remember the jokes I wrote. This is your first time on stage? Yeah. First time ever on stage. You're hosting yeah. a weird A weird little showcase. Showcase yeah. in that small room in the ice house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my only memories were just speaking on stage with my cue card, my note cards on top of the microphone that was on the mic stand still. And I don't remember how it went. I don't really, I don't think it went well, but maybe I got, who was there? Just people in the class. Yeah. The people that the students invited. Right. And I remember feeling okay about it because it was a very supportive environment. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And we all leave the show at the same time. Yeah. And it was just a crowd of people all like leaving this one little door. And this older lady, even older for me when I was 17, she probably was like 50. And she was laughing with a friend and they were on their way out. And she looks back at me yeah. and she's this big smile on her face. And she was like, you were awful. <laughs> and again, I d- that's just a, a pattern, man. Yeah. And yeah. I just smiled right back because it's just the face didn't match the words. And I was yeah. like, uh, thank you. And I went and told Charlene, I was like, I pointed, I'm like, that lady right there told me I was awful. She's like, who? She looked over and she was like, don't mind her. She's a bitch. She went over there and yelled at her. Right. So so yeah. first it was the flowers. And yeah. Then it was the guy at the coffee shop. And yeah. now this. Yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah. But honestly, and all of those scenarios were still just like, well, I'm still here. I still, it was a decision I made. Yeah. And I needed to continue to do it was the only thing i felt that i that could like ground me anchor me somewhere it was just yeah or just making these weird decisions that like gave me a sense of self like dressing weird and and you realize with stand-up you could do it all you could act weird you could dress weird and you could say weird things and no one will say no it's part of the job yeah yeah, you know yeah so i i didn't do it again until the summer of 2000 after i turned 18 that's so funny man because when i did it in college (laughs) Like I didn't do it again until I went to the store. Really, like I, it took me a long, like the first time I did it was like in the eighties, and I still had two years of college, and it was so devastating. Yeah, like I did it for a summer, and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. 
until I would get out of college. So for two years, I didn't do it. But wow. when I graduated, I'm like, I came right out here. Yeah. But yeah, I just hung it up. I I I had I don't think I had a, a choice because it was like my my parents were like you have to go to college or you have to go to work with your dad or both you have to do something and right. I was like I want to do comedy yeah but you still got to make money so you must have had some jobs I lived at home yeah okay and I went to Glendale Community College for a couple of years really and then I worked with my dad and then I got a job in a fast food place uh, when I was like a few months after turning eighteen where what one this place called New York Burrito. Huh. Which makes no sense. But, yeah, but There's weird. no burritos in New York. Every yeah. single customer that came in said that. Oh, really? They're like, is New York a burrito place? I'm like, I've never been, but everyone keeps saying no. So no. I'm literally a zit-faced 18-year-old. I'm like, I don't know anything. So, all right. So that's that's the setup for you starting your comedy thing? Pretty much, yeah. So where do you start going? I did uh, the open mic at the Ha Ha Cafe. Sure. It was five nights a week. That's where you got the sand N-word? Yeah. That's where that guy did that. But that didn't happen right at the beginning. It happened, um, no, like a year or almost a, wait, no, actually a little over a year in. That, so you started in 2000? June 24th, 2000. So now how did the, like in, in looking back at that experience, how did you, how did you reconsider Lebanon? I reconsidered it after after 9-11 happened and after I started getting scared again and, and wondering about my identity. In this country? In this country, yeah. yeah. And then I looked around and I was like, you know, I belong here, even though it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I'm a year into comedy. I finally have 5% confidence. Yeah. And I, I, I cannot let it go. And every time I look at my parents, I always think like they went through way more yeah. strife yeah. than I will ever go through. Right. And they came all the way over here for me to do something better. Yeah. And I was like, I I need to try my hardest at this. And I don't want to go back to Lebanon. Cause I was like, what if they start deporting Arabs? I didn't know. What if they draft a citizen? Me? Yeah. Yeah. So I started thinking back to Lebanon. I was like, they left for a reason. I'm not going to go back. I need to really find myself and plant myself in this country and and find who I am and project that out into the world so I will always have a place to be, a person to be, always. In America. In America or or, yeah. or, or wherever. So if this if my the... travels take me internationally as a comedian, I have all these crazy sure. dreams, you know. Yeah, but so, th so this is it. It still comes this... this comes down to this sort of like, I need to be me somehow. Yeah. I needed to find out who me was. I was never, I never, I didn't come from a family that had like, they didn't know anything about American classic rock and music and pop culture in America. They knew who Feyruz was, which is like the most famous singer in Lebanon. I don't know if she's even alive anymore, but. Because like I used to see when I lived in uh, Queens in New York, I used to see these posters, Yeah, you know, for like all these international stars. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> Yeah. One name, yeah, and a lot of makeup, and, yeah. and I never knew where they were coming from. But there's a whole world out there. Oh, yeah, I mean, Feyruz was probably like the Michael Jackson slash Madonna slash Rolling Stones of, 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 of Lebanon. Lebanon. It's all in one person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when do you go to the store? I go to the store. How many years in are you? I am probably a couple years in. So you're I, just doing alt shows? You're just doing, bring, what are you doing? I'm doing open mics. Okay, mics, yeah. right, right. So like, a lot of coffee shops. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did the Westwood Brew Co. Sure. first. That was my first little mini home in comedy. Is it, didn't Brennan work there a lot? It, it was around a long time, that place, right? Yeah, that show? so Vance Sanders hosted it. 
Okay. It's called the Open Mic of Love. Yeah. And that's where I met Chris Hardwick. That's where mm-hmm. I met Maria Bamford. That's where I met Zach. That's where I met Bob Oshak. That's where I met all, I mean, all the comics that now you're like, these guys are, you know, LA. Oh, dog, so they were Patton, going there doing all the this, old thing. They are just working on material. And I was this young little eight, I, was, I had a bit about being a virgin from sure. what I remember. They all thought it was so cute. Yeah. Well, that's and, funny though, because, you know, that's, you know, that all crowd, you still ended up at the store. Yeah. Which is not that. It, not at all. Yeah. And for many years, people always ask, why are you there? What are you doing there? Why are, it's, it's the worst place Because you world. were coming up in that alt situation. Because your style was sort of like more uh, conversational. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like uh, descriptive and, and more kind of self, like it, it is sort of an alt style. Yeah. And I that. get, I like to get personal yeah. and more and more so as, as I get older. But I just thought it was... There was something about the comedy store. I saw it in an E True Hollywood documentary, I think, in the nine. And I was like, "This place is fascinating." And like, they just the list of names that came out of sure. there. I was like, "I mean, I, I got to get in there." So when you when you auditioned, Mitzi was still cognizant. She was. Yeah. So I got hired there as an employee first because by to that time, to I was answering the phones Monday through Friday. You had to be a comic. You didn't have to audition for the phone job. No, no, they just got me in because I knew all the door guys at that point. All of us did open mics together. Oh. They were all working there. Yeah. And at the time they were just like, we need new. Oh, so they vouch for you. Yeah. They're like, as long as he's a comedian and like, no, he is. He's done the open mic. We vouch for him. Who said that? Tommy? That was before Tommy. So who was it? Duncan? Duncan was the talent coordinator. Yeah. Um, Hey, man. Yeah, hey, man. (laughs) Uh, Duncan's the best. Yeah. Um, And uh, Ari Shafir was there. Yeah. Yeah. he he was the first person that was like nice and got me in and and also teased me relentlessly. Like he would sure. be like, I, I got off stage the first open mic I did that he saw me at. I was talking about being an 18 year old and I, I slept in a race car bed, like the just yeah. stupid jokes like yeah. that. Yeah. And Not he bad. was like, he came up and he was like, hey dude, are you really 18? Like a big smile on his yeah. face. I'm like, yep. And he's like, we're 21 and over. You got to go outside. Uh, I was like, what? Yeah, you know, and he yeah. walked me out. And then for the next year, he would be like, hey, you see this threshold where like the patio meets the door right here? You need to be on this side. Because he was it. a door guy? Yeah. He's like, you're you're on the, you're, it's the underage though, right? side. Yeah. They were really serious about yeah, that no, stuff. No, they don't fuck around with that. Yeah. They really But you were, could work the phones during the day. Only, not until I turned 21. So they were like, keep coming back here for a year. You know, I was like, what, 19? So you couldn't 20. even go in the room? I could go in and perform, and then I had to go right back outside. Wow! So and they were on you. They were really, yeah, they really were. They they did not want to get shut right. down. And so for the first couple of years of the comedy store, I sat on the front porch and watched the comedy through the window, and just wondered. Couldn't even hear it. I wondered what these people were talking about. Come on. So the backside of my first that's album. That's doing open mics. Yeah, yeah. The backside of my first album is. I had the photographer sit in the seat that I sat in yeah. and take a photo of the the window. Yeah, yeah, I know the window where you can just see the profile of yeah. who's ever up there. Yeah. For two years? Yeah, I just I just sat there. And you're doing open mics. Doing open and mics. And then you turn twenty one, is there a party? Did Ari buy you a cupcake? No, they just they got me a job. That was the party. They yeah. were like, We're gonna get you in and you're gonna answer the phones and you're gonna do what everyone says. Who's saying that? Ari yeah. and Duncan, they're like, you're going to pick up all the shifts and you're yeah. going to answer the phone like you mean it. Yeah. World famous comedy store. This yeah, is Nick, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, uh, and I did, I, I took all the shifts, like a Monday through Friday, 9am to 1pm phones. And after a few months, they're like, now you can work downstairs at night. You've, you know, we know that you're not a weirdo or crazy, yeah. or you're re- reliable, yeah. like comedy store reliable, you know? 
And I started picking up parking lot shifts. So, it, so cover booth. It, and was Mitzi in the office? Mitzi would call every day. I would talk to her every day. But not if she wasn't in the office. She was calling from home. She would come in once a week, I think. Yeah. Once during the day to do lineups hi, with Duncan. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Oh, how you doing? You're, really? You're good on the phone. Oh, come yeah. on. I was the last person she passed. Really? Yeah. Um, how did that transpire? She watched you? She watched me. She would still come in like every other week, maybe to do showcases. Yeah. And sometimes just randomly to just watch the employees or watch the regular. It's always scary, the random Mitzi visit. People would scatter like cockroaches <laughs> when the light went on. It was just like, Mitzi, someone at the back door, Mitzi's here. Everyone yeah. would just run. Yeah. Um, I tried not to. By then, Tommy had taken the reins. And one day he decided all the door guys, all the employees are showcasing for Mitzi. And I was like, we were told we can decide. I'm not ready. I don't want to. I don't want to get fired. She Tommy was, said that? Yeah, he just decided. That's, so that must have been right when I started coming back around, right? I think it was, yeah. 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 And uh, and he said, no, you all have to. And I remember yelling at him. I was like, we were told we could showcase when we're ready. If I get fired, I'm, I'm going to destroy you. And he was just like, you're going to be fine. Mitzi's going to like you. And I was just, I was so angry and so nervous. I'm like, this is it. This is my whole, like, I can't get fired. Because she would just randomly fire people. But I know it's so funny that how much, like, you know, like, here you are, a guy looking for himself. Yeah. And somehow or another, because I was the same way. You end yeah. up there and all you care about is that crazy lady approving you. Yeah. She was the most frightening presence in that club. Because everybody from famous to nobody was like, I don't want her to make eye contact. She'll remember I exist. She'll make me showcase again. It's so weird. And these are people dude. who are like doing well on stage. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So I go up. Who's that? Yeah. Who is that? Yeah. So I got a couple little mini Mitzi stories like that. So I go up. That time she didn't say anything. Yeah. So I was like, that's a good sign. She didn't, she didn't have an opinion. That's she, good. Sometimes she wasn't even in the room. Or she'd be yeah. talking to somebody. That was always what would happen is you'd showcase and she'd be talking to like some comic who sat down. Yeah, I think th honestly that had to be what it was yeah. because she just had no opinion. So she probably was, wasn't right. paying attention. Yeah. And I remember comics would intentionally do that. They'd sit down and get her attention so she didn't pass a new person and then is their spots true? would be taken away. Yeah. I was told. Who the fuck did that? Oh man, I don't, maybe like, Remember that guy Wheels? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was known. To, he would always sit right next to her and talk yeah. to her, and people would say, this is what he's trying to do. And yeah. I was like, I guess. Wow. But I just- What happened I, to that guy? I have no idea. Yeah. All right. But I was just happy that- Who she, were the regulars that were around all the time when you were there? Uh, Caparulo had yeah. just gotten past. Sebastian was yeah. was still getting kind of later spots. Yeah. He wasn't really like in the mix. Yeah. Um, And then- uh, Joey Diaz was around. Sure. Was this the Rogan era? It was before Rogan got like big, big. Yeah. It was before like Fear Factor. Right. Yeah. And uh, so he was just a guy. Yeah. He was a guy that was just like great. And he was like always like on, on like the middle of the lineup. He yeah. was on the road. He was, right. he was like after news ready. He was sure. like a guy. He yeah. was, you know, killing and stuff. Yeah. Maybe Mencia was, Eddie Griffin was around doing three hour sets all Yikes. the time. Oh. That was back when there were no rules for that. Yeah. Like Dice would go on and do two hours. No one could stop him. I don't I I really wonder if they could stop him now. I don't like are you gonna stop Dice? I don't know. I don't you, you think honestly, Dice is gonna like even care? What are you gonna do? Flash the light? Yeah, or pull Dice? him off stage. He's a like huge yeah. yeah. Um so a couple months later, I, I decide I want to showcase for Mitzi. I don't yeah. want to be afraid anymore. Yeah. I think I could I could get past. So this is like a uh, 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 short haired Nick. 
With the fancy pants and shoes and everything? It was before that. I okay. kind of had like sort of spiky, messy hair. Okay. And like, you know, and I had no real like personal style or whatever. Yeah. I made a couple of tight t-shirts that Bobby yeah. Lee gave me because he was cleaning out his closet. Oh, you yeah. know? So you let <laughs> yeah. go of uh, all the other stuff. Yeah, all that other stuff. You were stuff in transition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to be like, I want to look like a comedian and not like, you know, stand out in a, in a like, weird yeah, way. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and I had no money. Like, where am I going to get clothes? Like, right. I literally got hand-me-downs yeah. from, from Bobby, Bobby Lee, Lee who's, you know? Who's like half your size. Yeah, well, his pants didn't fit, but his shirts weirdly okay. did because I was starving. <laughs> yeah. Um, So I showcased for her and then she she pulls me over when I come off and she was like, Colin Duncan for a veils in the belly room. And I was like, oh. So I was like, I'm a non-paid regular. Right. So I could do belly room spots and, and like- fallouts in the OR. Fallouts in the OR. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. And then two weeks later, she came in again. While you were on? Uh, um, no, it was before we were on. But I think I remember saying like, I don't mind going up in front of her because it was a, a hot crowd. And right. I was like- Oh, so someone went, didn't show up and you got the spot? It, it was still employed. I could still go up with employees and stuff. Oh, yeah. But she just happened to be there? She happened to be there. Yeah. And Ahmed Ahmed and Polly were on either side of her. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go on. I'm going to I'm gonna go up in front of her. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. And I talked to her on the phone in between passing me. She's like, are you getting belly room spots? Like she was there. She oh, remembered. Because so you, you were talking to her every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I think I, I get along with her. Yeah. You know? So I went up and then I get off and I went over. Did you do I, well? I did well. Yeah. And I said, thank you for watching me. I hope you're doing well. It's good to see you. And I just let her be. And yeah. she's talking to Polly and whatever. And I go into the back. Ahmed gets up and comes around. He goes, dude, Mitzi just said you're a paid regular. And I was like, what? No. I No. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I'm he was right there. Ask yeah. Polly. He heard yeah. it too. And he goes, let's go celebrate with a drink next door at the Hyatt. And I go, I don't want to curse it. No. Yeah. And at that point I was barely you, drinking. You still didn't believe it? I didn't believe it. Did you get her to say it? She could change her mind. I didn't want to bother her because maybe that would that would undo the passing. You didn't think they were fucking with you? I, I didn't know if they yeah. were. So okay. then Tommy takes her home. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, Tommy's going to talk her out of it or something, yeah. or, you know, she's oh, going to so forget. crazy how crazy we would get with I, that lady. Yeah. We, we really did. And then he came back yeah. at like 1230 in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, well, I just took Mitzi home, put her to bed. <laughs> and I go, and what did she think of who she saw? And he just like crosses his arms and looks at me and he goes, you're paid regular now. <laughs> and I just like <laughs> fell back on the hood of whatever car was there. And I just screamed into the night. I was uh, like, yes, yeah. finally. Yeah. And she didn't pass anyone for another two years after that. So no more lot uh, after I, that? That year I transitioned out of all that stuff. And no more lot, no more door? No more door. I worked the booth still because you could put yourself on the pop-in list. Because oh, okay. the pop-in list would be whoever checked in with the booth. And I was the booth guy. So, whoa, you have Mitzi's license right there. It's amazing. I know. Wow. Crazy. That is history right there. <sighs> wow. Okay, so then, like, you were paid regular. What year is that? That I, was April if, of 2005. Like, why don't I remember you? Not, uh, how come I remember you in the lot? You don't remember me. I do. Oh, because I worked the lot for another 
year okay. or two years after or something. Yeah. They eventually were like, you're not allowed to work the cover booth anymore because cover booth guys that were regulars were always making themselves first pop in and the management didn't want to hear the complaints anymore. So they're like, uh, new rule effective immediately, yeah. you can't do that. So I worked a lot still for a little bit and then I got a day job waiting tables for a few years. Okay. And then I, I didn't really get a lot of spots, like a spot a week. I would do a, as many belly room spots as I could, which is part when of the When did you reason. open for me? What year was that? 2009, I guess. 2010? Uh, 2000, maybe, oh, geez. It must have been 10 if I just started the podcast. But the first, first time was in La Jolla. We did La Jolla together. It was oh. like, that was like 2008 or nine. Wow. Was it Eliza on that one? I think she might've been. Okay. I remember being down there. Were we staying at the condo? We were staying at the condo. No shit. Yeah. Oh, this before they fixed it. It was, yeah, it was still a dump. I remember the <laughs> first- it was right on the beach. The first time I did your podcast, I told the story about that. Yeah. When, when you were, I think you had just gotten divorced. Was that a live one? It was a live one, yeah. At South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So that's like 2007? That was 2010 or 11 was that podcast, yeah. Um, but I remember we're going to get pizza in La Jolla. Yeah. Like, how far is it? I'm like, it's a couple blocks. And you're like, we're over on what's it called street? I'm like, no, a little further. You're like, we said it was a couple blocks. Now it sounds like way further. And this like college kid turned around and like looked at us. And I was just like, my dad gets irritable when he's hungry. And you were like, God, you shook your head and like stormed off ahead of me. Oh my God. So we were down in La Jolla in like 2008 or something? Something like that, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what you were dressing like. Yeah, it was before you did Skinny jeans then. Right. And the chain, did you have a chain for a while on no, the skinny jeans? No, no chain. No, no chain, but just super tight jeans. Tight haircut. Yeah. Tight, uh, high and tight side part. Yeah. And then, you know, like just graphic t band, yeah, t yeah, super yeah. tight shirts right. and that right. kind of so stuff. Right. So we go, cause you opened for me a bit, right? A couple yeah, times. A few times. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe a couple of Hoyas. I did the punchline, San yeah, Francisco punchline with you. So what, what, and, and then you watched the rise of Rogan and you saw the store get turned yeah. inside out and you saw you were there for the war. I was there. Yeah, I was there for the the that battle on stage battle. Mencia. But uh, for many years he was gone. Rogan, there was there was like who a, Joe was gone? Yeah, he was gone for a, a lot of the years that I was there and getting like good spots yeah. and I was like getting I was there like every night. He was he was gone. He had said goodbye to the store for a long time. So Cuz he got mad. Yeah, I don't know what the ins and outs were with the, right. the decisions that were made, but he was like, I'm done with the comedy store for a, a while. So that was the era of like Caparulo's yeah, middle of the spots. line. Yeah, two, three spot. Tommy loved him. Yeah. Uh, and Tommy was in charge of that place. He yeah, was, I he remember. Was the one, he was passing people. He was- Yeah, no, was he? Yeah, yeah. Mit he would say- Mitzi really wants you in the fourth position. Yeah, Mitzi, like, saw, like, Mitzi saw you and yeah. it's like, she doesn't- yeah. she doesn't know because she went downhill after that like it was yeah yeah she she wouldn't remember people in the hallways i'm like she's not passing people like, yeah but he would use the, he would, that would be a manipulative tactic with him mitzi, yeah. mitzi said you did a good job last night it's like what yeah i know it was weird dude like at, at certain times like, that's when i came back around i mean i was yeah. back around mitzi saw you at midnight we're like we all watch mitzi leave at 10 p.m like what you're you can't keep track of your lies anymore it was oh, like that guy it's a really weird time and it, then when adam came in that was 2010, 11, 11, know, 12. Dude. Like, I'm, it, that, I can't believe that's 10 years ago. I know, I know. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. The time is a flying. So, what are you doing though? Are you middling? Are you headlining? Are you opening for people? How are you making bread? So, I was waiting tables for a bunch of years yeah. during the day. I had a good job at like a, a, like a high, not fine dining, but high dining place in, yeah. West, in Westwood doing lunch shifts. And I was making good money. Yeah. And then I started, I got a commercial agent 
started doing that thing, started yeah. booking commercials. Really? Those were making some what commercials? Pretty good money. I did like a few beer commercials, like a Bud, yeah. Bud Light commercials, and I did like. One that aired in like somewhere in Europe, and all I remember about it is that we had to eat Snickers bars in a movie theater for four hours. Uh, did you have a spit bag? We had a spit bucket, uh, but I've now I don't think I've had a Snickers since. It was, yeah, it was awful. Same thing with the gin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gin yeah. and Snickers. Yeah, gin and Snickers. Mm. So when does the when does the porn actress come in? Because <laughs> that's what I remember. I'm sort of like that guy. Yeah. That guy's dating that lady because I had her on the podcast at some point. And I barely knew her because she was like she was at some point she was like the hipster. Yes. Porn actress. Yes. She liked comedy and she was sort of around. But she was all right. She was a really sweet, I'm sure she still is, a very sweet girl. She was really good to me. Dana and, D. Arman, yeah. Is yeah. Um, I don't want to get into the personal stuff because she's a public person, so I don't want to, sure. you know. But we dated for like two years. And she still, I haven't seen or heard from her in a long time, or of her. We, yeah, we haven't talked in uh, a few years, but. Did it end all right? I mean, it, yeah, it didn't. There was no bad. How'd your parents feel about her? Didn't tell them. <laughs> I don't. I don't tell them about girlfriends and like. I mean, usually it'd be a few years we're dating, and even then, I'm like, because they're like, "Are you going to get married?" And yeah. have I just don't want to have a conversation about any girl. I, it didn't matter what she did for a living, but yeah. Um, I mean, but we dated for a couple of years, and it was the year I got sober. So I was like, I think the first year or two, I was, I yeah. was sober, and she was the most supportive person of it. Yeah. And I was just like this broke fuck up comic. And she would like, I mean, she like, I was like, Hey, I can't take you out. I don't have yeah. money. And she's like, look, I like to go out. I like to eat and I'm, I make good money. I'm, I'm fine. I'm an adult. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. If we want to go out, I'll pay. And nice. That kind of stuff. And, wow. um, she, real, she real lent kept me man over here. Yeah. She lent me money once yeah. just cause I was in a bad financial and, I paid her back eventually and, yeah. and you know, but like she was, she's good. She's a good person. That's great. She was a great girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I hope she's all right. I hope so too. So when do you decide to leave? Then you just, uh, what's going on in New York? Cause now what are you doing? You're, you're, you're wearing a sweater and your hair's long. Yeah. And your parents all right with you? Yeah. They came around to the comedy thing in 2008 or nine when I opened for the Axis of Evil tour. Okay. Did she? Did they come? That was the one, the first time I allowed them to see me. Because was, well, was it Cater and Cater uh, Nas and uh, Ahmed? Yes. Uh-huh. And they were playing a theater in Beverly Hills, somewhere around there, oh, yeah. on, on Wilshire Boulevard for all the uh, the upscale Persians. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my parents were like, "Well, maybe we want to see you one day." And I was just like, "No!" Like late nights at the store. Yeah, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was very careful about that decision. And when I was like, wait a minute, a theater of 2,000 Arabs? Yeah, you guys can come to that one. <laughs> yeah. And they came and they saw, I did like seven or eight minutes up top. Did Kill well. it? Yeah. Yeah. And after the show, we were in the lobby and all these audience members came down to take photos with everyone. And I was standing with them. So they wanted me in some yeah, of the photos. Sure. I was obviously nobody. And, yeah. Um, my parents were just there like, okay, all right. We didn't know it could be this way. Right. And we didn't know that other Arabs also like and appreciate this and comedy thing. It changed their minds. Yeah. My dad started telling people at work, my son's a comedian. And that's when people go, oh, that's a really hard job. Wow. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, this is a respectable profession. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then they, yeah, they became like supportive uh, of the career choice after yeah. that. And that's I mean, nice. they're, yeah, they're, they're great. They're, 
And so, like the the move to New York was really just you wanted to to free yourself up and get out of this cesspool and do more sabbats or what? Yeah, I mean, I started getting to a place where I was I wasn't getting a lot of spots at the store anymore, yeah. and I was doing some road work and yeah. and. I just, I wasn't really auditioning for stuff and I just started getting really depressed yeah. again. Like, oh, yeah. like right before I quit drinking, yeah. like suicidal, mm-hmm. I want to end it, that right. kind of stuff. Oh, really? And that started coming around again and I, I wasn't on medication. Yeah. And I, I was sober long enough to where I'm like, I think I, I should try the drugs. I think I should try the, the Zolofts and the yeah. and, and and do it. And it started helping a little. And yeah. I just felt dead inside in the city. Yeah. There was no inspiration anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I've always wanted to live in New York. I started spending more time there the, the previous few years. Yeah. And I always felt good. Yeah. Ari li- would let me stay at his place when he'd be on long road stretches. Sure. So in some ways I was like kind of living there. Like for, Where'd he have a place? In the East Village. Yeah. So I was like, all right, spend a month or two here. And I'm like, this feels good. There's more clubs here. There's, yeah. It's the real world. Yeah. Like it's no one's right. writing screenplays in coffee sure, shops. Sure, there's or, a lot of people around. It's yeah. a lot, I love going there, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this is the one thing I haven't done. Yeah. I, I did every, I got sober, therapy, medicine, got yeah. a dog, did all this stuff. And I was like, moving to New York's probably the last thing I can maybe try and let's yeah. see how it feels. How, you, how long have you been there now? Beginning of 2019 is when I. Made so where you uh, were you at in Brooklyn? Yeah, I lived in Willie or Greenpoint for a couple of years, and now in East Williamsburg, off the L. Oh yeah, yeah. Is the L working again? Works perfectly. It's okay. great. I lucked out with that. Yeah. So it's going well there. It's going pretty good. Where it's, do you work? Do you work clubs or mostly alt rooms? What are you doing? I do some of the alt rooms, and then I do. Primarily New York Comedy Club. Oh, wow. I was getting some love. Where is that now? 23rd still? 24th and 2nd. It's still there? It's still there. And it's nice now. Come on. The horror stories I heard about it from before I moved there, they were like, oh, no one even wants to perform there. I'm like, comics don't want to perform at a place? Do they still have the one weird room up front that seats like four people, or is it one room? It's just one room. It's like a box. It's like, you know, 80. Good acoustics. It's a good room. Al Martin come in? Who? Al Martin. He sold it. Oh, yeah. so it's a whole different thing. Yeah, I've only heard that name. They're like, that's the old owner. And, oh, God, you yeah. don't remember the time where they're just cooking things on a George Foreman grill. I've heard that story. Yeah, yeah they're making George Foreman stuff like in front of everyone. Yeah. The people, audience could see it. So now it's a good club, and they have a, a location in the East Village on 4th Street where the old Eastville used to be. I know be. where that is. The that's acoustics aren't good in that room. Not really. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's a good room. Yeah. The stand was good to me for a couple of years. They gave me a lot of spots. That sort of dried up after the pandemic. Uh-huh. And Stand Up New York a little bit. Huh. And the first couple of years in New York was kind of weird though, because 2019, I moved there intentionally telling myself, focus on writing, do less stage time yeah. on purpose. Well, then the pandemic hit. And then do the road. Yeah. And so I did that. So I wasn't really, you know, yeah. hitting the scene like a ton. Then yeah, all of 2020 was nothing. Was like, but people dying, it was scary, wasn't it, to be in New York? It, yes and no. It was scary in the sense that it was like, you know, a post-apocalyptic yeah. nightmare movie right. where there's no one in the streets. And right. I was like riding my bike through all the avenues in yeah. Manhattan, not even yeah. looking left and right. It was bizarre, but the communities there are super supportive and everyone was like being cool, wearing yeah. masks, no one was getting each other's sure. 7 p.m. applause for the, the 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 heroes of the pandemic yeah. every day with the pots oh, right, and pans. Right, pots and pans. It, yeah. it, felt, it felt good. Yeah. It felt good. So now you're out of that. Now what, what are we promoting? My new special. And then where is that going to be? 
So that's going to be on YouTube. Find it on YouTube. Yeah. And YouTube. Now, you just self-produced it and put it up? How does it work? I did a GoFundMe because all the money I was going to put towards it uh, at the beginning of 2020 yeah. went to just surviving the pandemic and, and all that. How much did it cost you? I raised 15 grand in the GoFundMe. And where'd you shoot it? I shot it at a place called Zinc Bar in the West Village. Yeah. And a couple blocks from Washington Square Park. Yeah. Cool little jazz bar. So How many was, shows did you do? I did two. Yeah. This venue sat 40 to 50. Oh, wow. I, I wanted it small. How'd I wanted it came out good. Okay. I hired a team of like, I hired a, a, a DP named Michael Koshkin. He's, a, he's like a film guy. Yeah. And a director named Brian Gaynor. Yeah. And they 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 both knew each other. I told them what I wanted. I want I want that like old schoolish seventies ish yeah. New York jazz. I want sure. that look and feel of it. Yeah. It's gonna be small, intimate. I'm not pretending I'm anything more than I am. No no and renting a theater. Gerard Carmichael just ripped this off. He ripped off your whole idea. He did the blue note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but this will look and feel way way different. Yeah. Like the, the, the aesthetically. Sure. I was going for a very specific thing. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to be up close and personal and like, so was it an hour, fifty one minutes before the credits, fifty two. Right. And then you uh, do you make money off it? I don't think I will see a cent from yeah. it. Um, yeah. But that's kind of not the. I I'm not in a position to. I couldn't sell it on my website. I don't sure. have a following like that. But yeah. the idea is get it out there and hopefully it gets a lot of you know views and light. It's it's as personal as I could get and as honest. I try to do something a little different with it and hopefully that does something and yeah. I can work the road more and at a higher level and kind of build off that. That's Great. The, that's the gamble. That's the gamble. Well, good, man. I, yeah. I'll find out when we're putting this up okay. and uh, and maybe that'll help. I think it will. Um, yeah. But it was great seeing you, pal. You too, man. You feel all right about everything? I feel I feel better. Right. I'm a citizen. I feel good. I got and, a special out. I feel good. And we just had a good talk. <laughs> we did, man. That was young Nick Youssef. You can watch his special Nick Youssef take care on YouTube. Okay? Hang out a second. Folks, on Monday's show, I talked a little bit about seeing the movie Amsterdam. And after I did that intro, I had more to say about it. And because we do weekly bonus content on the full Marin, that's a place where I can say more stuff. If you go check that out, you'll hear my expanded thoughts about the movie and the story of the time I interviewed David O. Russell long before WTF was even a thing or even an idea. At that time, I had no real idea as to... Uh, how to host a talk show program. I just knew that I wanted to talk. I knew that with Robert Loggia, I really wanted to talk about Scarface. I knew that uh, Lisa Ann Walter was a comic and that, you know, we could do that thing. I, I can't remember exactly what I talked to her about. Roger Ebert, I was very excited to talk to because he had a book on, basically on film criticism. It was a book, a collection, an edited collection of bits and pieces, essays and fragments of film critics and I had studied film uh, history as a minor, film studies, so I was excited to engage with him. And David O. Russell, I was excited to talk to him about spanking the monkey. Now, the way it all went was Roger Ebert was a complete asshole to me because I was trying to sort of you know, position myself as somebody who knew how to talk about film, and he wasn't having it. I, I remember him being snarky and kind of dickish because I brought up uh, Roger Manville, a guy I studied with in college, and I just wanted to connect. 
this is something that, you know, I think I've mastered on WTF, but back then I was nobody and doing nothing. That's available now for full Marin subscribers to sign up, go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF plus, or go to the link in the episode description. And speaking of the episode description, don't forget that we have an audience survey link in there. It will take you five to seven minutes to complete it. And it's really helpful to us. If you do, it lets us know how to better serve you, our listeners. And right now below the survey link is another link to submit a question for the next ask Mark anything episode on the full Marin. So to recap, Go to the episode description for three things. Sign up for WTF Plus, complete our audience survey, and send me a question. Do it!
Monkey, LaFonda, Cat Angels Everywhere. 